0: Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker.
1: The societal intent of vaccination is to artificially create herd immunity to a given pathogen. The formula for calculating the herd immunity threshold is 1 minus 1 over R0, where R0 is a reproduction rate. Measles, for example, has a herd immunity threshold of 92 to 94% of the population. The R0 for COVID-19 is an estimate at this point and is based on behavioral patterns. Most estimates place the herd immunity threshold somewhere around 70% if no active measures like social distancing are present. There are several vaccine candidates in the U.S., but only the Pfizer mRNA vaccine is being actively ready for distribution. The U.S. has only contracted for 50 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine and declined an opportunity earlier this year to buy more. The Trump White House justified declining additional doses from a single vendor because at the time there were five other viable candidates. The European Union would later buy 100 million doses from Pfizer, likely tapping out available manufacturing capacity. Is there enough vaccine to go around from any provider? Can we get it to the people that need it? And is it safe?
0: I mean, not only do you have supply chain management issues, you have production issues. They say they can get it, but I haven't seen 50 million vials sitting around ready to go and the real question is is if it's a supply chain issue why isn't the US government doing it why haven't they seized it why isn't the national guard the one rolling out these vaccines
1: right Pfizer clearly knows how to manufacture the vaccine they've made 21,000 as part of their trial why why <laughs> doesn't the US just say thank you for the recipe we're going to mandate that every large industrial company
0: produce these
1: in mass like no why, questions
0: asked why is that not a thing Do you have a giant tank that's made out of stainless steel? I do. Does it have pipes connecting to it? You can control the pressure and temperature and flow rates and put in reactants and other reagents. We do. We can do batch processing. Good. Now, instead of you making molly, the mafia is going to make fucking vaccinations. Perfect. And because because you've decided to to go clean and, and make vaccinations, you can make as much MDMA as you want to next week. But right now, you're making vaccinations. That's basically what it is, right? You don't have to make opioids anymore for a week. Right. You can make vaccinations.
1: There are plenty of incentives to private industry if we want to go down the purely public-private route of having the government pay manufacturers to manufacture Mm -hmm. something. And this is all available through the Defense Production Act, which Trump doesn't want to invoke because that would piss off capital. But you wouldn't even necessarily need to invoke it either. You could literally just mandate that existing government resources – be made available to produce the vaccine. Because we're doing science at massive scale in many, many different government labs. And you can't tell me that the government doesn't have access to the vat with the pipes that have pressure sensors.
0: The government has nuclear reactors that they use just for testing. I know. (laughs) They do, right? Take that as what it is. Like they, they, they just carve holes in the back, in the side of reactors and blow neutrons through it. They have giant vats where they make chemicals for things. They, they have them. They just do. I don't see why this is even a thing. I mean, what you could do is you could seize Pfizer. You can't operate in the United States anymore unless you give us all the vaccine, vaccines. That's easy. Take them to court. Who cares? <laughs> right? I, I mean, at this point in time, it, it's, it's just bonkers because they've put, again, capital ahead of healthcare, ahead of you and me, ahead of everybody else. And arguably, I, I don't mind, you know, Trump playing the field a little bit because if we're relying on capital to, to solve the problem, we're, we're relying on people who the incentive is to get the vaccination out first, not to get the correct vaccination out for you. Because once this is out and rolling out, they're not going to make this formula better because there's no incentive to because there's not going to be another round of coronavirus that comes out of COVID that they're going to have to have stockpiles for. So there's no incentive for them to invest any more research now that it's done. So Trump's, I'm going to say,
1: inability to commit to the Pfizer vaccine is actually an example of him being anti-neoliberal. He allowed the free market to run and compete, which you can argue is a terrible decision, but it's consistent with his entire kind of absence of a political theory. But his entire premise has been anti-neoliberal. And this is an example.
0: And, and he's been um, anti-global, right? He's been very nationalistic. You saw him trying to bid and grab the, the, the formulation back. And he could have. He, he, I mean, he just has to invoke it. And, the, uh, you know, we've talked before about how his incompetence has led him to make good and bad decisions, but also prevented him from actually reigning with the iron fist. And he could have, but I don't think he his advisors won't want him to. But Trump is authoritarian enough that if given the opportunity and someone to coax him, he probably would have done it.
1: If he would have won the election, is Pfizer permitted to provide vaccines to a foreign country?
0: Absolutely not. I mean, Trump said that 3M couldn't, a global company, couldn't even sell masks from a global subsidiary of theirs to those other countries. That they owed them masks only to U.S. companies, which is bonkers since it's a it's their subsidiary in other countries. They, he has no control over that. Except it's a non global, I mean, it's a global company with a US base. And he, tr- he tried this nationalistic thing with TikTok as well.
1: You have to divest, and then Oracle, like, he has a demonstrated history of being super nationalistic. Yep. But in this instance, he's not being nationalistic because it would clearly hurt Pfizer.
0: I think his advisors, the ones that are playing him in the corner, know what they're doing to the point of they understand who's making what money in the capital because they're trying to keep old money, new money separated, right? You're seeing the fact that a Chinese company was new money making TikTok. Well, let's break it down and and give it back to old money like the Microsofts and the Oracles. And I think the same thing with with, uh, this Pfizer vaccine.
1: So Pfizer took federal money to research and develop the vaccine. And now they're selling it to foreign countries. And the U.S. is going to have some sort of shortage.
0: Yep, they have to. There's no way of doing it.
1: Regardless of whether that's Pfizer's problem or not, why isn't the data associated with any vaccine, especially the Pfizer one? Like, why can't I Google, how do I make the Pfizer vaccine? And it shows up with a PDF at, like, makeyourownvaccine.covid.gov.
0: Yep. Well, the Chinese tried doing it, allegedly.
1: And, and the U.S. was none too happy about these hackers stealing IP about vaccine research.
0: Yeah, like two random people out of a one and a half billion person country just got randomly picked up and saying, oh, they're the hackers. Like, come on the fuck on. That's ridiculous. And it goes back to, again, the erosion of the U.S. institutions that have supported us in the past. Right. They they've eroded away the idea that the CDC, the USDA, the FDA, all these companies or all these other institutions are in competition with the companies. Right? They're not in competition right now because neoliberalism's taken over, and it's it's this really weird, I don't know, Keynesian perversion where the government is helpful, but it's only helpful because capital is involved, which is bonkers, nuts to me, because capital doesn't care. They don't care what what governments in power. They don't care what people are suffering or not suffering. They don't care. As long as they're making money, they don't give a shit.
1: With the trend towards neoliberalism, you have an economic system that is effectively supported by the government. The government supports capitalism. It intervenes to create a free market in whatever conception the neoliberal government in power wants. If that means artificially skewing what the free market might dictate, that's fine. It's still... It's still a free market because there's allowed competition within a certain window. Now, the conservative mindset effectively wants the government as far away from the market as possible, and that gives way to a literal free market, which has all sorts of other consequences. In either of these scenarios, the free market rules. And what we're advocating for is that there's governmental central planning, which does not delegate to private industry, but rather it holds information publicly. And in this specific situation with vaccines, if you are a private company and you're doing research related to the vaccine, your IP, your intellectual property should be seized
0: by the government and the government should publish it. Yeah, it's owned by the people. It's not owned by a private entity. Right now, the way that capital works is because we're still trapped and the material conditions require us to interact, that third third wrong or, or requirement that we, you know, sees the ip from those companies means that we still have to for some reason give them incentive to do it right because they could just close the door and say we don't do this so you, you still pay them for it or whatever it happens to be it's still a perversion but the government should still own it and that's kind of what you're seeing happening in china right centralized research they have a vaccine that's 97 percent effective they have a vaccination that is using a, a dead um, virus and not an mrna It's doing everything that traditionally you would see um, out of a vaccination creation. And guess what? Side effects aren't as bad. I mean, you won't believe it because our government says it's bad.
1: We've discussed a lot of the scarcity and the availability of vaccines and whether they're going to actually be provided to people, but we haven't really looked at whether they work. And a lot of our previous discussion has kind of just assumed that they do work and it becomes more of a mechanical process to distribute a fully functioning and effective vaccine but do they actually work? Which vaccines are better or worse? We've complained about Pfizer having storage issues with the refrigeration, but is that the best vaccine we have? What's the landscape of the current vaccines? You just talked about the China vaccine, which Uh is developed by Sinopharm and their subsidiary Sinovac. And their vaccine is called Coronavac.
0: Nice, I got the good trademark on that.
1: And I'm guessing these are transliterations of whatever the Chinese language equivalent is. Yep. Uh, And the Chinese vaccines have been tested in Thailand and Brazil. And at some point, we should be hesitant to accept what any vaccine maker's result is. The the CoronaVac appears to be something like 97% effective at creating antibodies amongst their, their trial. And antibodies are important because that's what a vaccine actually intends to do. These antibodies, it's plausible that they could be completely and totally ineffective and they're just there. And once they're actually exposed to a real coronavirus, they don't do anything. We don't know. But we don't know that with any of these vaccines. It's all kind of done in a Petri dish with sample sizes.
0: We don't know whether or not you're going to get a mutation in your brain because you took a, a vaccination that's based on clipping away the RNA of another vaccine or another, you know, virus like. I don't know that. I'm not trying to fearmonger. I'm just saying these are brand new styles of vaccinations that are out and we have no idea what's going to happen when there's a mass amount of people. And that's true because the the again, the trial size is small relative to the global population. So you're relying on the fact that you have no bias in your data selection. So we talked about earlier about how uh it, you have 21,000 people, but they're not twenty one thousand eighty 80-year-olds, so you don't actually know what percentage of the population in there was 80 and in, in who they chose for that. And In fact, it's super biased when we come to medical because medical tends to want healthy people for studies and not sickly. They don't want to test the vaccination when you're on a heart medicine, blood thinner, or a blood pressure decreaser, or asthma medicine. They don't want anything. They want basically a pure body when they test these out because they don't want any drug interactions
1: we're aware of there being three or four or five different vaccines. We're going to specifically talk about the Pfizer vaccine, which is an mRNA-based vaccine. And we're going to talk about the Moderna vaccine, which is an mRNA-based vaccine. And then the Coronavac vaccine is based on an inactive virus, which is historically how vaccines have been developed. So the China vaccine, the Coronavac, is using older technology, and the U.S.-based vaccines are attempting to use A newer concept called mRNA, which is creating a messenger RNA, which is a synthesized protein that attempts to mimic the shape and size of the COVID molecule and encourages your T-cells and your immune system to develop antibodies against it.
0: Based on that protein signature.
1: Yep. So the Pfizer and the Moderna using mRNA are much more research-based. And the CoronaVac uses older technology. Yep. All of the Pfizer vaccine, they published a analysis of their study recently. And their study included roughly 42,000 people. And it was broken down into a placebo arm and a vaccine arm. And that's where you're getting the 21,000. What kind of side effects were observed in Pfizer's mRNA vaccine?
0: There's things like reported fatigue. The most common solicited adverse reaction uh, were injection site reactions, fatigue, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, and fever. 14% said they had a fever. That's a huge percentage. And then severe adverse happened between 0 and 4.6%, which I think is a weird way of saying it. But essentially, you get a very um, aggressive response in the body when you're doing it with the mRNA way. And that's because you're trying to trick your body into creating the antibodies based only on a a sliver of the protein or a sliver of the actual virus, that's synthetic. It's not a real virus. So your body doesn't know how to respond in the the usual way, which is different than the traditional way, which says we're going to inject you with a dead version of the the virus. And then your body can go through and do its process that normally would do to try to generate the T cell response.
1: It's an organic reaction of your body, and your body has been conditioned to react to organic things. Your body hasn't been conditioned to react to things made in a lab.
0: Exactly. So why is this really important? It has to do with the number of the side effects. The Chinese vaccine, which again could be pure propaganda, is hitting 97%. They're using a traditional uh, inoculation, which is a dead virus in your arm. And it's a more naturally occurring body response. So you're not seeing as many side effects.
1: There's nothing conceptually wrong with the mRNA approach. You're attempting to mimic the body's immune response. It's it's a valid scientific research endeavor. It just hasn't been done before. So there are questions about its effectiveness and whether there's going to be any side effects. And that's what we're going to talk about.
0: First of all, has Moderna ever brought anything to market?
1: No, Moderna has never brought anything to market, and that's something to be aware of and concerned about, whereas Pfizer is a very large and established drug company that has brought many drugs to market.
0: So you have you have a Pfizer, which has brought stuff to the market. You have Moderna, which hasn't. You have them both competing in the mRNA field, so they're both probably using the same university research or very similar scientists to do this. They're not probably that far off from one another because there's only so many ways you can clip RNA and only so many ways you can synthesize it. It's not like it's... There's an infinite possibility, especially to have an response.
1: The nature of the problem dictates that there's probably only one solution in the mRNA field. Exactly.
0: That's probably accurate, yeah. So let's talk about some of the side effects and some of the issues. Uh, One, uh, this is being rushed through at a very fast rate. We don't actually know, because they haven't done the years and years of trials yet, what's going on. We don't know anything about what the long-term effects are. This is being pushed out in record time, as Trump likes to say, as if it's a good thing. Now, it's only a good thing because this disease is killing a ton of people because no one's wearing a mask, right? It's actually probably an avoidable requirement to have a vaccination this fast. The the second... When it comes to the you know, vaccination development, you're supposed to do long-term studies to make sure that you don't have adverse re- uh, reactions. You don't develop something like arthritis in the injection spot because it's attacking your bone or something crazy. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen in the body from an inflammatory uh, response that just can't be studied at this speed. But taking all that and washing it away, uh, there is the possibility that they haven't captured all of the side effects. Because their sample size is 21,000, and they're going to roll it out to 50 million plus people. And additionally, the people that are inside of their study probably don't represent the gambit of individuals that they're going to be vaccinating. So again, they didn't have 20,000 geriatric people show up or children, you know, 16 and older, and again, healthy. Nobody's on long-term medicine. They don't want nothing that's going to react with the vaccination to take away its effectiveness. This is all designed in the trials to show and prove that this vaccine is effective, so they're going to reduce and remove anything that can get in the way. So if you're on antivirals for um, HIV, guess what? You're not in the trial. They have no idea what's going to happen when you give it to an individual with HIV. They have no idea what's going to happen when you give it to somebody probably with severe asthma because they're just not in the trial. That's just not how it works. And there's also these really interesting... Um, side effects happening right now that we just saw, that there were, what, four Bell's Palsy people? So what is Bell's Palsy? What, why do we care about this?
1: There was four cases in the vaccine clinical trial group of roughly 21,000 people. Why Why do we care about these four cases of Bell's Palsy?
0: It seems like a pretty small number. It's true, except that Bell's Palsy is the attack on the neural nerve in your head, or from from inflammation. So there's a chance that this vaccine, because you are talking about an inflammation disease, COVID is an inflammation based disease or style, right? Where you get autoimmune responses that cause inflammation, causes issues with your heart, your lung, your brain. There's a chance that this mRNA sequence, the way they're doing this, is causing a very similar inflammatory response in your body which is going to cause something like an attack on your on any one of your nerves, which cause swelling. And essentially that what leads to Bell's palsy is when you have nerves swell and become inflamed, it damages itself.
1: So Bell's palsy is where part of your face basically becomes paralyzed. And this lasts for some indeterminate period of time. Sometimes the cases go away around six months. Otherwise they persist. It's not a good outcome. So in their trial, they talk about in the vaccine group, they had four cases. In the placebo group, they had zero cases. The occurrence of Bell's palsy in the population occurs one to four people per 10,000 people in a given year. So this is annualized over a year. Within this two to three month trial, they saw
0: four cases in 20,000. That's the only thing they tracked was up to two months. They have no idea... Any long-term effects from this? And if you consider this data to be categorical, which is you either have Bell's palsy or you don't have Bell's palsy, and you assume a 95% confidence interval, and you run through a chi-squared fitness test, you'll find that there's a non-significant interaction between the general population and the placebo group. But there is a, a significant interaction between the Pfizer vaccine and population, meaning that they're different they're statistically different enough to say that there's something wrong with that Pfizer trial, that we should go back and reinvestigate why you have this outlier set of data. Again, the number of people with Bell's palsy is significantly higher or, or different than what the general population has in any given year.
1: In layman's terms, this means that the occurrence of these Bell's palsy cases in the vaccine trial means something. It either means perhaps the vaccine causes Bell's palsy, it could mean that the sample is not reflective of the general population. It could mean that whatever the group was given in the placebo cures Bell's palsy. All of this is worth investigating and understanding why. But Pfizer appears to kind of glance over this in this FDA report. Is that accurate?
0: That's very accurate, and and I think you raised a, a good point, which is why did the placebo group not have anybody, and what was triggered, and it's a uh, it's alarming because. One, it's new technology. Two, it's going through so fast. And three, there's not a um, large enough sample size to consider it to be part of the population because it's a pretty biased sample size. Even if the vaccine isn't perfect, it provides some level of protection, except we can't get to everybody because the supply chain and the number of vaccines just doesn't exist.
1: For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.